Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Jim Cummings and PJ McCabe's The Beta Test, which came out on VOD just a couple of weeks ago. Definitely one of my most anticipated movies of this year. I'm a big fan of Jim Cummings and the work he's done so far with Thunder Road and The Wolf of Snow Hollow. The Wolf of Snow Hollow, which we actually covered here on Piecing It Together a while back, so you should check out that episode as well. Uh, But yeah, I'm always excited to see what Jim Cummings is going to do, and this is his new film. And joining me is Q, David Quinones, from my other podcast, Bird Road. We had a great time talking about this movie, and I think we had a lot of really good puzzle pieces to talk about here, so that is coming up in a moment. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You could also rate and review us on Good Pods as well. And follow us on social media at PiecingPod. We also have a Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And lastly, we also have the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as bonus content from Awesome Movie Year, bonus content from my music career, all kinds of good stuff. Check it out, patreon.com slash Rosen. And with that said, you know, we've got a long episode coming up for you, so uh, let's just get to it. And I do want to mention, last week on Bird Road, my lawn guy uh, made a whole bunch of racket outside the window during the recording session and he seems to have flown across the country to wreak havoc on piecing it together this time uh, by going outside of Q's window out there in Miami. So uh, there is some noise in the background of the episode, but, uh, you know, it's fine. I think it still sounds pretty good. And we got a great conversation, so let's get to it now. Q is with me today. It's been a while since he's been on the show. Too long. Q, how are you doing? Not good. <laughs> we were going to do a bird road this morning, but it didn't happen. But, yeah, you know. Too much, too much, too much happening, man. It's, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, it's, it's life, she passes you by. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Quickly, before we get into the beta test, uh, uh, let's recap the news. What should, we, uh, what should we talk about? I'm just kidding. Let's not Let's do recapitulate <laughs> for all of your uh, <laughs> listeners who are so tuned in yes. to current events. <laughs> <laughs> that they're listening to a podcast about various movies 
and uh-huh. the movies that make up those movies, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. They they're they got their finger on the pulse always for sure. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the beta test. Uh, I, I I was really looking forward to this movie, and I know you like me have recently become a big Jim Cummings fan. Thanks uh, to you. So, Thanks to you. Yeah. You turned me on to Jim Cummings and uh Absolutely. He's, awesome. he's a great creator. A great Yeah. Writer. So I, I know you were looking forward to this as well. Uh you just got to watch it the other day. We, we'll get into a bunch of puzzle pieces along the way, but we might as well just get this out in front here is jim cummings like kind of the the most exciting new independent filmmaker right now like is he does he kind of have all the attention it seems you know, as, like it. as we tried to get into like these different puzzle pieces and uh, there was one puzzle piece that i couldn't quite figure out which was i wanted to find somebody who was a jim cummings at this point in the past mm. and um there's going to be a lot of filleting Jim Cummings in, in, in this episode because we both love him a lot. But sure. I will say, and I don't mean this in this like fawning, overly complimentary way. I mean it in a very brass tacks kind of way. I can't think of anybody that's mm. like him that seems not just comfortable operating in this independent status, but seems like um, like that's the goal. The goal is for him to see like how big of a thing he can do with how little. And yeah. um, we'll get into the themes of the movie, but I was trying to come up with somebody else who maybe early in their career intentionally painted themselves as such a sort of a system outsider or studio outsider, somebody who just had that drama kid energy that was very much like, I just want to make this with my friends and people that I like. And I, I, I don't know, I couldn't find anybody who has had sort of the, and don't get me wrong, like none of his movies that have, have like, you know, had like, like enormous box office returns or anything like sure it's not that kind of director but i couldn't come up with anybody who was not just at this point in their life this wasn't just a stepping stone for them he seems right. like he's setting up shop in this space of like yeah. of indie diy uh you know the, the like the, the the cummings expanded universe one day will be a bunch of like really you know pete rosie type of movies where they make a lot out of a little you know and sure. and uh i think that that's interesting i was trying to find i don't know can you think of somebody who maybe you have a puzzle piece of like oh well this was the last you know indie movie that this director did before you know he got you know Lionsgate gave him 10 right. million dollars to make something and right that's the thing that kind of like steps on any possibilities that i would have thought of because yeah and you would definitely have to go back to like the 70s or something for somebody that might even come close to you know being that kind of a person but because yeah nowadays everybody they start maybe in something small and indie but they definitely work their way up into these bigger hollywood things and granted you know the wolf of snow hollow was uh you know a studio movie but still yeah. very small by comparison i mean he's you, definitely you and i heard I, I, I don't think he would take the marvel call maybe no. I, I mean i don't think he would i don't know that's such a weird supposition because like I don't know. There's a whole logic behind that. Like the whole, and, and, and a lot of it is mythical. Like the yeah. one for me, one for them, which if you ever like follow that logic out, it doesn't ever work out that way. There's never one for me, one for them. There aren't really one for me, one for them guys. Like, mm-hmm. even though they say that there are, you know, because you get so wrapped up in all that IP big studio stuff. And you and I heard the same interview with him recently on another podcast where he was talking about how, I mean, I was kind of reading between the lines it sounded like he was really uncomfortable with the um, Wolf of Snow Hollow, uh, not necessarily the story, which was his and, and and some other people and the creators he was working with, but the size of it. It seemed like he didn't right. 
thrive. He wasn't his best self in this. And it was Wolf of Snow Hollow was not a big budget production or anything no, like that. No. But but on that interview that I'm talking about, he um he said that it was ten times the size of his first feature, um, Thunder Road. It was yeah. in terms of budget, which you can see. Uh it's it's got some, some CGI and some animation and some studio elements to it that you wouldn't see in an indie, right? Um that interview sounded like a guy who was really happy working and trying to like find the cheat code to make big budget looking movies out of micro budgets. And yeah. um and I just I don't know. It's like you can probably find a lot of filmmakers. Like I don't know what, what was the story about what Reservoir Dogs cost Tarantino, right? Like right. nothing, right? But I mean, like the minute that Tarantino had access to greater amounts of capital to make, um, I don't know what was the first thing that he probably spent a lot of money on. Probably Jackie Brown, right? I mean, I Pulp Fiction so. couldn't have cost much except for like right. music rights. Uh, I don't know, like Jackie. Well, I mean, Brown I'm was, sure it was a sizable jump, though. Like Jackie especially Brown had compared a lot to of exteriors Dogs. and and like public place shots in in L.A. I mean, like yeah. they, they shot in like um, forget the name, but that big that big mall in L.A. that costs like five million dollars to shoot at that that they shoot everything at in L.A. Uh, you know, like I I think about like. Like you could have made three Jim Cummings movies for the the bag handoff scene in yeah. um in, in in Jackie Brown, like the, sure. the budget of that. And I think that he's happy that way. And so I, I didn't really want to like try to find Oh now look this this week it's me with the uh the it, your long guy. <laughs> um so anyway, I didn't I didn't want to find I didn't think that it would be accurate to say that that it's a puzzle piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I didn't think that that would be the case. Yeah, no, absolutely. I it it is definitely difficult to find somebody in that particular trajectory. And you know, by the way, who who would love to uh, stick with indies but make an actual career out of it? This guy yeah, right here, yeah, da yeah. David Rosen, composing music. I I feel like the day I get the call to compose a mu music for like a, a King Kong movie, it would be the biggest hassle. I mean, I it's the dream, but it would be well, such all, a hassle super... every step of the way. It's super corporate. I mean, if, yeah. if you're not the director, if you're not the or the showrunner or the you know the the principal, the lead managing principal of a project, if you're a composer, it turns into a corporate job. Like it's yes. and and like a lot of email, a lot of back and forth. It sucks the creativity out of the prog out of the process. TPS um, reports on my music. TPS reports. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> it's going to be like you everything's going to be analyzed and and fixed cost and like you you're, you're going to have like a whole slew of boring elements that you didn't get into this world to do like you didn't get yeah. into making music to do that shit yeah absolutely well let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here what do you have for your first puzzle piece for the beta test dave this is a movie that you and i first saw but not in a movie theater we randomly saw it on um i think we found it on like dvd it was a very this is a very obscure movie and i'm not even sure if you could find it very in, in very many places uh, this movie is called Employee of the Month. Now, a lot of people are going to think that this is the Dane Cook, I think Jessica Simpson vehicle or somebody, I forget, whoever was the hot girl of that moment. Um, not that Employee of the Month. The Employee of the Month is the one that uh, was directed by Mitch Rouse, starring Matt Dillon, Steve Zahn, Christina Applegate, came out in 2004. Um, it, it, it features uh, Matt Dillon as the you know, titular Employee of the Month who gets fired on his day at the, uh, right after becoming employee of the month uh, from his job at the bank and proceeds um, to enter this spiral um, where he, uh, you know, the, the character that we meet at the beginning of the movie is this very straight laced 
guy and they use a few visual cues to let you know that he is maybe a little more complicated than that mm-hmm. the most obvious one is that he has scars and you don't know where he got these scars from i don't know if you mm-hmm. remember this movie or not dave but I, um, I forgot about it until now but it's it's a great movie to include in this but continue with your description of it yeah so as you um continue to learn more about david who is the the, the character uh that matt Dillon plays you find we learn that he has a very dark sordid past he's suppressing a lot he is um he is trying to be something that you know he ha- he's a victim of imposter syndrome he knows that what he's doing and the parts of his life that he's building up this marriage that he's about to enter again another situation where we're talking about a a, a, a southern california couple who are trying to um you know plan their nuptials amidst some you know turmoil it's it's a lot of bull it's bullshit it's ultimately bullshit the life that he's trying to build for himself and he knows it and he and he's fighting against that and um i'm not going to say this was a great movie uh beta test is a far superior movie oh Um, yeah but it has its moment moments steve zahn is dialed up like mid-2000s like coked out of his mind steve zahn (laughs) has has some uh, some scenes that are a little tough to watch but a lot that's that's funny and really good and uh, yeah, so employee of the month starring Matt Dillon. Uh, right awesome. at the, by the way, like right at the the tail end of that Matt Dillon moment, right? Yeah, like he was a thing for like a minute, like for and like, then just I, it, gone. for a little while. From like I would yeah. say like ninety seven to like two thousand four, he was a thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, so absolutely. You yeah, you know what? So I completely forgot about that movie, and that is a great piece to bring up because. When, when I'm making my list of puzzle pieces, sometimes I'll have a uh, a spot in, in my notes document where I, I'll write down like an idea or a theme and try to fill it in later with a movie. And this time I couldn't think of a movie for you this, know what, of a guy know, who's spiraling out, but it's all his fault. He's the asshole. And do you know what the specific moment was for me where I was like, okay, I, I did the same thing where I was like, I want to find a movie that has something like this. Where we see Jim Cummings characters, um, the 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 where he like pulls his cheek back and we see the back molars that where the, where the white strip doesn't touch where the whitening uh-huh. strips don't touch and they're just corroded and rotten. And that's a great <laughs> metaphor. I think for like yeah. him and for his soul, it's it's that too is also a little heavy handed, but it's good. I like it. And it's very similar to when we first see Matt Dillon's character without his shirt on. And we're like, okay, well we saw these neck scars and these sort of facial scars on him. But then we like, we really see that there's something damaged about this man there's something fucked up something in his past something happened to him and um and so and and he's trying to overcome it trying to hide it but not really dealing with it and i was like did the same thing that you're talking about where i was like let me think of a movie where something similar like that happens and 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 uh i felt that that was the same i don't know if you remember that detail of employee of the month you and i watched it drunk on a couch yeah that sounds about right yeah and i I definitely don't but uh good piece to start it off with good hot couch movie good hot couch movie for sure uh i'll go to my first piece and that is going to be paul thomas anderson's punch drunk love um first one that i thought of with this uh as this kind of schmucky guy does something for himself that's sexual in nature that of course doesn't work out well um in that case we've got adam sandler's character talking to this phone sex line and kind of figures you know other people do this why can't i do this and he shouldn't have and it doesn't work out well and everything just goes awful and from bad to worse and uh here jordan's character is doing something much worse of course actually 
cheating on his fiance, but at the same time, it's kind of the same trajectory of something sexual spiraling out of control and leading towards all of this anxiety and, uh, you know, everything that goes on from there. Yeah. Like Je- Jeopardy and guilt, right? It's mm-hmm. there's the, you go from Jeopardy to guilt in, in both of those. And there are also moments in both of those movies where the, both of the characters, the main characters kind of get t- tired of, of feeling the guilt over the thing that they did and they become yeah. angry instead. And they start to like seek, go from trying to like fix the problem to like lashing out against it and, sure. and, and fighting it. So, which I think that punch drunk club is a, an incredible movie, like, a you know, um, an all timer, but, uh, what it, what it does where it shows that descent into like paranoia and, 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 and worry. And also, I don't know what you call it when you're worried that a thing will happen when you have anxiety over doing something and then you do it and the worst thing happens. Right. The thing you were worried about. That it's you a got very taken Jewish a thing, by the way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it, um, it, yeah, it, that, that's a great one. Yeah. Paul Tom and also another Hugh and Jewish Dave movie that we yes. watched together. Yeah. Absolutely. So. What do you got for your next piece? Um, I'm going to steal from you. I have, mm. I know that you have this one lined up. I know that it's sitting there in your back pocket and I know that you're going to, um, try to deploy it, but I'm going to steal it from you. 1991's Barton Fink. Nice. Which is a, a, a skewering of Hollywood, uh, through the eyes of, I think probably, I don't know much about the movie Barton Fink. Like I, I know a lot of the backstory behind like Lebowski and, um, Fargo and, um, uh, what else I've read all types of, you know, articles and posts and stuff about the you know burn after reading which i find to be a fascinating movie um blood simple also but i don't know i've never and the coen brothers are obviously famously tight-lipped they'll tell you that they're that none of their movies mean anything don't read anything into any of them yeah yeah but it's hard to watch this movie knowing that the coen brothers had had great critical success in 1981 the coen brothers had had two critical successes but weren't quite at that point yet where they were going to be they weren't they weren't they weren't the coen brothers yet right i mean they weren't at that point and i would imagine that there was some sort of outsidery like look at how perverse this industry is that we're trying to get into look at how horrible it is look at the the people that populate it and the things that you have to do to be a part of this industry the 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 things that you have to be okay with to Mm. be a part of this industry um, or it will kill you. It will literally, and like, uh, again, a lot of the sort of psychological tension that, that they, that they imbue is, is it, it, throughout Barton Fink, um, is similar to yeah. what Jim Cummings does. Um, in a lot of that, he uses a lot of editing tricks and a lot of sort of narrative stuff to, 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 to infuse that tension into, um, into the beta test. And, you know, ultimately these two main characters are, 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 are dealing with the same thing. They're trying to, they are uh, trying to find where they fit in, in this corrupt industry without being com- corrupt themselves. Uh, but they are because, yeah. you know, the ultimate message is that you will be corrupted. Like there's no way to succeed without that. Yeah. It's also equal parts, uh, a love letter to, to that industry that they know is exactly. so awful. But yeah. they love it anyway because it's, it's terrible. It's but the best. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say I will draw one line of distinction though is is that I feel like Jim Cummings has a very finely tuned um, 
blade when it comes to exactly what he thinks is wrong with modern day Hollywood. And again, Barton Fink is in 90, it's 1991, but it's a period piece. I believe it's set in the mid sixties, right? In the mid to late sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jim Cummings has a really clear understanding of like, if you watch this movie, you see what he thinks is not working in Hollywood, the agency model, the, um, the, the representation, the hangers on what you might consider to be sort of barnacles of the industry. People who are just money changers, money movers. Sorry for the uh, trope, Dave, but mm. uh, the, but the money changers in the temple, the people who are, uh, who are just kind of taking value and moving it around and just saying like, Oh, well I'll take a little bit off of the top and yeah. not really bringing anything to the table creatively. And, and he gets called out at the beginning um, of the movie by, I think it was like a director, right? Or like a, uh, uh, some sort of like hotshot, you know, big deal studio head or something like sure. that, who, who who tells him exactly that. Like, you're not adding anything. You're nothing. You're dying. And, and we're all glad that you're all dying. We love that you're dying. You guys are pieces of shit. And um, Martin Fink gets shit on in much a similar way as, you know, this ingenue writer who is um, trying to like define himself in, in, in that era. It's different, but it's the same. Yeah. So I actually didn't have Barton Fink on my list, although I definitely thought of it. Um, But I've got I've got one that goes right along with it, though. Uh, 1992, The Player, Robert Altman, another Hollywood satire, another look behind the scenes of Hollywood into not the acting world, but the the business side of it and everything that goes on behind the scenes with writers, with directors or producers, all that. And of course, you know, a whole mystery, a rabbit hole for the main character to kind of go down after receiving a letter in his mailroom. Uh, and then things kind of spiral out of control from there. You also get lots of, um, kind of, not parody, but like these descriptions of ridiculous sounding Hollywoody projects, kind of like the uh, all dog remake uh, that uh, uh, Jordan is talking about in the beta test. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, th- this is not, uh, this is a very obvious piece here, the player. Uh, I actually hadn't seen it until last week. I finally watched it. I've, and never, se- I've never seen it. Oh, it's so, so good. It's probably the best movie i've watched this year i'm so glad that the beta test brought me to it and you should definitely watch it i think you'll love it so but that reminds me of i don't have an opinion on the movie unfortunately i haven't seen it but i will check it out um but it it reminds me of like if you go back and watch some of the descriptions of like the fake shows that they talk about in 30 rock and then like a bunch of those shows are like getting made yeah, pretty much. Like it's it's <laughs> and you, like I, I think about that because just a few days ago was the Disney was what was that upfronts? What were they doing? They were like announcing like a bunch of new shows, right? Oh yeah, just like a dozen things. I forget what it was called, Disney Day or something. Yeah, Disney, Disney Plus Day, Day, whatever. They just take their upfronts and they make it into they eventize it, and um, all of these like ridiculous shows where it's like okay, I guess that's Disney IP now. It's yeah. like 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 Daredevil's college professor or some shit like that, and you're just yeah. like okay, I guess we're watching a show about that. Well, yeah, they just announced uh, Tracy Morgan is going to be in triplets with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Christ, Danny DeVito! I mean, come on, Jesus man. fucking Christ on a cracker. That's right out of Thirty Rock. But uh, um, what do you got making, next, though? Making fun of IP, I'm actually going to turn to IP next, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wanted to just kind of broadly talk about this filmmaker, and I wanted to talk about this one tendency, a more latter day, more recent tendency of this huge blockbuster filmmaker, um, something that he's done that I think that that Jim Cummings leveraged in a, a, a smart way. And I like to see it done well um, more and more often. Let me, let me cut the preamble and cut right to it. 
the movie the movie that I'm talking about is 2012's The Dark Knight Rises, and <laughs> made by Christopher Nolan. Around this time, Christopher Nolan started doing this thing in his movies, and he's he's done it more frequently in Tenet and some some more recent fare. But um, he does this move, Dave, where he will thread together these like disparate scenes with an unbroken tr- score. Like the score stays the same, mm. even though we quickly with with no transition. We go from a scene where a character, in, in the case of Dark Knight Rises, a character is in Southeast Asia and then is in, you know, the Mid-Atlantic region in a matter of a second. Yeah, like he's escaping yeah. from a prison and literally walking into Gotham City while the same score is playing, while the same track is is, is playing. And that, that I thought that um, Jim Cummings made, why are they, there's, there, there isn't even, Dave, there isn't even leaves here. He's leaf blowing my my porch. I don't There's even no, know that guy. I don't even know this man. <laughs> whatever. Jim Cummings uses this trick, whatever you would call it, this style, this this film, to 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 great success in creating like propulsive forward motion. Right. Sure. There's nothing quiet or or uh, static. Right, because we're always being moved from scene to scene to scene. He's on the street. He's yelling at somebody. He's pretending to be an FBI agent and a police officer in the same scene sometimes, sure. and like to the same person, like lying about being an FBI agent and a police officer, which I think is brilliant. Um, another funny thing I love about this movie is that he never really gets caught caught for doing that. Like, yeah, he just no. gets away with doing. That. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, so anyway. Uh, why why pick like a five hundred million dollar Christopher Nolan movie to compare this to? Well, I mean everyone's that, seen it. So. That editing that <laughs> editing scheme, um, I think is effective. And I thought that yeah. Christopher Nolan people hated that, I think, about Dark Knight Rises, where it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He was just in, you know, Afghanistan and now yeah. he's, you know, it, and he had a broken back. And then like it's a how long are we supposed to think that was that it took his back to heal? Like a year and a half? <laughs> You know what's a great years? example of that like, trick, though? Uh, I, I recently rewatched Napoleon Dynamite, and yeah. where, when he's asking him uh, if he has a, he asks uh, Pedro if he has a bike, and then they're outside looking at his bike. Like, he's me- like this is it. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. I love it. I, I love that. That's awesome. What's yeah, your next but, one, Dave? Yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a good uh, that's a good piece. So I just want to say because, like, I, I do think that that kind of speaks to the economical nature of the way that Jim Cummings works. I mean, for such a cheap amount, he makes this movie look good, and I think that's using those kind of tricks is part of that. But um, I'll use for my next piece one of your favorite movies of the last few years, uh, and that is Under the Silver Lake. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I know you love that movie, but another, you know, conspiracy-based movie. I might watch movie. that again today. I might you watch should, it. and, you just and I it. should watch it. I've only seen it the one time, and I really That's liked crazy. it, and I've been wanting to rewatch it. But That uh, movie is a pure vibe. It's just yeah, vibe. You turn it, it on, and it's just you're just vibing, yeah. It is, absolutely. And, you know, you were just talking about him impersonating the police officer and the FBI officer, but it, it's like just the, the rabbit hole this guy goes down of just uncovering thing after thing, and do we even know about the end what of it is you know how to make heads or tails of really any of it barely like just little bits and pieces of it it's just so it's just it's anxiety really you know and and it's conspiracy and anxiety and all of that thrown on this poor guy who as we establish isn't really a poor guy is kind of an asshole and kind of deserves it 
Right. And it, what's funny too is you're talking about two movies where there is, I don't know, use your 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 literary device, whether it's Sword of Democles or it's like, you know, the Chekhov's gun, where certain Chekhov's guns or Swords of Democles, like they don't ever fall. Like right. he's forever he's forever like one one of the one of the sort of narrative drivers there is that he's about to get evicted. And then he just does. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay i guess that happened now and it's like it's just like it's it's, it's like it's like if, if one of those like goofy campy 80s movies where it was like oh we need to raise a thousand dollars or the ski school is gonna close then it's like damn we never did we never bothered to go raise that money the ski school closed and it's well, just like well that's on that. to the next thing <laughs> i guess bye yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of honestly it reminds me of dirty work the last line of dirty work where it's like except for dr farthing the, the mob beat him to death anyway so he's dead bye bye <laughs> Rest in peace, Norm Macdonald. <laughs> All oh, right, what do you got next, Dave? I got two. Okay. Let, let me let me, let me ask you. You want a you want a '90s classic problematic movie that nobody wants to talk about anymore, or would you rather have something a little bit more more contemporary, starring um and uh, with a lead from uh, probably our favorite television show of all time? Oh boy, I. I kind of want them both, though. Can I get okay. them both? <laughs> yeah. Which one? Which one do you want first? Let's go with the '90s one first. Okay, good. Uh, the '90s movie that I want to talk about is 1993's Falling Down, starring Michael Douglas. Sure. Which is a far more severe portrayal of a man falling apart, uh, a man who has achieved some level of success and, along with it, um, some level of entitlement, who thinks that the world owes him something, who thinks that the world. Um, has all of these problems and he is the, the upright sort of the the foil of of the world. He's the one who's saying like what's right and what's wrong and he's got it all figured out until the very yeah. end of the movie where again our main characters both realize they didn't know anything. They had it wrong the whole time. They fucked everything up in their life and it's their own fault. And of course this was directed probably the best Joel Schumacher movie. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you, you got you got any hot takes on Joel Schumacher? Or... I don't have any hot takes on Joel Schumacher, but as far as this movie is concerned, I, I've only seen it once, and it was back when it first came out, and I, I've been wanting to revisit it, and I was actually thinking about this as the example of the guy spiraling, thinking it's everybody else's fault, but really, he's the asshole. This was kind of the one I was leaning towards if I was going to use it. Right. Yeah, it's, it's funny, because through this, I mean, like, this movie was problematic. People, and Again, only in the last 10 years have we started using language like problematic. But like oh, yeah. this movie was that in the 90s. It's not like the 90s were like the the, the the 19th century or something. I mean, it was still not okay to like beat Korean people, you know, to do hate crimes to Korean people in the stores that they own. Like it was not okay to do that in 1993. Marky Mark. It was still mm. not okay to do that. Um, so, but like <laughs> coming in hot for Marky Mark. On but, well, he together. did that. He, he did. That's I what know. I think that that's the, what the step, what that opening scene is, is based on where, where yeah. Michael Douglas gets tired of being in traffic and beats up a uh, Korean guy yeah. in his store. Um, there's all types of problems with this movie and, but through the lens of it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like a, it's like a, um, 
what do they call that horseshoe theory where it's like we almost come all the way back around to the point where we can watch it again mm-hmm. to critique it you know but yeah it's got uh, all types of problems the main character is a, a, a fuck up and again believes that the whole world owes him something and um, right right it's one of my I, I used to love that movie when i was a kid and i loved it for all the wrong reasons i'm <laughs> sure yeah. yeah no i really do want to rewatch that soon uh it, it seems like something worth reevaluating at this point and especially with everything nowadays it just seems like it would be a worthwhile watch if, if you watch it you have to watch it through and i'll say this i don't want to come across as like a falling down apologist i'm not um mm. but it is it was one of my favorite movies when i was a younger guy when i was like a teenager and I will say that you have to watch it through the lens of the 90s, 80s and 90s crime panic that we had. We had a panic in this country where we thought that like evil thugs, like Latino and black thugs were going to take over our streets. And like not, not, and it wasn't, it was racist. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't an overtly racist clan type of racism. It was more of a like scary Orientalism, uh, you know, worried about the unknown threat of different looking people who were which like don't get me wrong still fucking racist still sounds a little racist it's still (laughs) super fucking racist but it's 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 racist in this way that is actually way more pernicious and way more dangerous if you think about it because what the people that don't realize what they're what they're doing yeah and signing on to and don't forget like the, the the that that mentality that fed the movie falling down um it also the mentality that had very real life consequences like the you know the clinton crime bill which you know happened at the exact same time that this movie was coming out at the exact same time that white suburbanites around this country were getting terrified of the things that were portrayed in this movie like roving gangs of brown people that might like you know pull a switchblade on you in a park because you wanted to like take a piss or something like that like that I would say is is even more dangerous than at least with a, with 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 somebody in the KKK. They put a hood on, and you can identify them and be like, "Look, there's the racist guy right there." And like, this is way more pernicious. Um, I still think it's worthy. It's it's a great film as mm-hmm. a film. It, it's a very good film, right? And right. it's worthy of of revisiting and rewatching, understanding. Uh, I think to call it like the to, to call it tone deaf is um a bit like letting it slide right just understanding the context like it was 1993 we were passing laws to put generations of black people behind prison behind bars for a really long time mm-hmm. and uh that is the context that begat this movie um none of that stuff is at play it, interestingly sure. enough there are there is a lot of social commentary in the beta test well i was i is... was gonna say like it, you know this is kind of a big tangent here but uh you know the beta test of course is you know a commentary on me too and everything happening right now so to your puzzle piece falling down do you think a commentary in the style of falling down on you know violence against minorities like anything like that could even work right now well i think this um to answer your question, I think 30 years from now, uh, I think we'll, we'll probably still be talking about Jim Cummings, but we might not be talking about the beta test specifically. We might be talking about whatever ends up being his main opus, right? Whatever his big thing is. So I think 30 years from now, when you look at movies like the beta test, I think that it's, it's the, the driver of the conversation is going to be a thing that you and I talk about a lot, the pendulum. We're going to mm-hmm. start talking about there's going to be some Aziz Ansari type character, type person type of individual who gets absolutely ruined right 
because of not even an accusation, just the just the the tone mm-hmm. of the moment. Again, falling down wasn't a specific thing like, oh well, he beat up a Korean guy. He, you know, he he beat up a couple, he fought back against some, you know, Latino stereotypical gang members. It was mm-hmm. it's not that. It's the tone. And right. that tone is going to be something that I think when the pendulum swings back, which it will. Yeah. And when when that hypothetical, you know, person gets their career ruined because of something that they didn't really do or isn't really career ruinable or cancelable or whatever. Um, that we'll look back at movies like this and be like, damn, we were really all kind of were we really all brainwashed in that moment? Because like you can look back at falling down and be like, damn, this country was fucking brainwashed in that moment. We were terrified hiding inside of our houses and will we look back and i don't know what the answer is honestly sure but will we look back at movies like the beta test and be like damn that was a real moment there where we like we swung too far we mm-hmm. were like you know and i'm not saying that jim cummings necessarily did that in this movie he didn't i thought he struck a good tone right but yeah. i think that it might be something that's a little unrecognizable to people 30 years from today yeah, that's interesting. That is definitely interesting. Uh, I'll go to another piece here, uh, and it's kind of a surface-level piece, but I'm going to go with American Psycho uh, because of the fakeness of the whole corporate world and the total fake smiles and every relationship just being a transaction and uh, people are only worth what they can do for you and all that. And that this is, of course, the Hollywood version of that. It's all the same kinds of people that are, you know, just completely shallow and it's all just transactional relationships. Is there anybody whose characters, the various characters that 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 he plays, gives a more chilling fake smile than Jim Cummings <laughs> oh, as yeah. an actor? When Absolutely. he gives that fake smile where he's dead behind the eyes. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you can just see the pain on the other side of his face, but he's smiling. It makes you wonder when he realized he had that. Like, oh at what point did he just recognize that he could do that? You he know? could do that. That's like so unsettling. It's one of the most unsettling actor traits of anybody. But I, I say that because Christian Bale, I think, um, evinced that very well in, sure. uh, in, in, in American Psycho, which obviously is a classic movie. Oh, yeah. Two Christian Bale movies on our list so far. That's awesome. Yeah, that's right. So you got one more piece, right? I got one more piece, Dave. And I want to take you back to the mid early to mid 2010s back when um when our favorite show our favorite television show it's always sunny in philadelphia mm-hmm. was probably at its apex and has waned in popularity since then only the true heads like me and you are still watching it but like um but but back then it was a pretty popular show um yeah. and everybody was talking about it all the show it was nightman you know all this shit uh-huh. like everybody was like making the, 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 the it's always sunny you know jokes in pop culture and in that moment there, there was a moment where the cast, people started wondering, huh, what if we take these guys and try and do something else with them? Mm. Mostly didn't work out. Sure. <laughs> mostly, other than Danny DeVito, mostly didn't, mostly <laughs> has not worked out. Um, uh, although I do, I do love Mythic Quest. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that on oh, the show yeah. before. I think, I think Mythic Quest is a great show. Yeah. And people tell me that AP Bio is a very good show too, but I'm probably never going to watch that. <laughs> I didn't like Horrible Bosses. Um, so... But in the in in this horrible bosses era, there was a movie that came out that was a a, a vehicle for Glenn Howerton. It was called Coffee Town, and I don't know if you ever saw this movie or not, Dave. It was a no. comedy. It was directed by Brad Copeland. Uh, it also starred uh, Jake Johnson was in it okay. and uh, Adrian Palicki. And 
this movie came out in 2013. It was meant as a Glenn Howerton vehicle. Glenn Howerton basically plays like a um, a struggling like website manager, a web de- a web developer, basically like a tech a tech guy. Uh, but he was work from home before work from home became the you know the coin of the realm as mm. as it were. And uh, he had a a coffee town, which is like a stand in for Starbucks, basically that he would spend all of his time in. And uh, the rumors of the other losers that spend their time at this coffee bar became that, you know, it became known that this coffee bar was about to close and be turned into an actual bar. And um, the movie is basically 90 minutes of hijinks around him sort of falling apart. And he has like this, uh, this, this, this unreasonable connection to that bar. He can't do his work anywhere else but there. And so if it turns into a bar, it could be very detrimental to his career. <laughs> um, stakes, again, one thing I think was interesting about this movie, it's actually a pretty funny movie. I really liked it. It's, it's really good. But uh, <laughs> one of the things that I thought was interesting about this movie are the stakes, where they feel so big, right? But ultimately, they're nothing. The stakes mm-hmm. are nothing. Like, if you look at what was the worst thing that could have happened in the beta test, we're shown that this guy's fledgling agency is on the verge of shuttering right because of caa and uh ut uta or uti i forget whatever um the, <laughs> it's the probably other, gonna shut down though whatever it is. it's gonna shut down but then you see like what that means is that gonna be a bunch of people losing their jobs it's like seven or eight people in a conference room who look like they don't want to be there right. and i think that that was a choice by jim cummings to be like well let's show the bereft emptiness of like what the world that this guy has built he owns this agency and what is it it's like a a handful of like people who do not care about their work who actively hate him yeah who you know and similarly the stakes are are minuscule in coffee town the stakes are one starbucks might change its business model and turn into like a uh like an ultra lounge or something like that and then the thing that again, and this is spoilers. I know that you give a spoiler warning up front because we're talking about a movie and we're yeah. like breaking it down and dissecting it. But spoiler alert: the the worst thing happens. It, it, it that's what happens. It turns into a bar at the end of the movie. Yeah, and when I, 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 beta test, all the worst possible things happen for Jim Cummings. There, there's some moments of triumph or some moments of revelation or whatever where he's like uh, a catharsis, I guess. Great, like that's the the climax kind of like the, what you would consider to be like the literary climax. Mm. Um, but where he, he has these moments of catharsis, but like for the most part, he just loses. Yeah. He doesn't get the things that he wants. Like it doesn't work out and, and he, he, he's in worse shape than he was at the beginning of the movie at the end of the movie. So 2013's coffee town. I don't even know where you could find this movie if you want to watch it, but yeah, apparently I just looked it up and apparently it was college humor's first movie. Oh, that's right. I yeah, wonder if I did it's not on, realize that. It, does that still exist? College humor? College One of humor. The many Hollywood grasps. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, what are, what are, what, I mean, if it doesn't exist, then what are all the comedians who live in LA, like, actually watching? Yeah. Because that's all that collegehumor.com was made for is for other comedians <laughs> yeah. to watch. Yeah, and watch hate. each other. Watch each other and just shit on each other <laughs> and just be like, I fucking hate this. You suck. <laughs> this you know? is terrible. I hate it. it feels like podcasting actually that reminds me of like something that you must that that would like make your skin crawl the scene from was it uh oh it was funny people where jonah hill's character 
does the the cut of him with the cats like playing with playing with like it's like cats playing and then him acting like a cat yeah and he's like yeah and then i just link to my website and a million people come <laughs> and that like must piss you off so much just the idea of that like anything <laughs> any kind of practical gimmick or anything like that pisses you off for people to promote their work and actually uh-huh. and for it to work yeah that must piss you off so much what, what what your listeners don't realize is that dave's thing is like no you just make the thing and then yeah. put it out there and then no one listens to it and that's how it is <laughs> that's and i'm like well what about you know marketing what about if i put you in a little cat video and you're playing with no no why what should i have to do that like, I'm already making the music. Why do I have to be, be, pretend to be a cat? So, like, well, nobody's going to listen to your fucking music, Dave, unless you pretend to be a cat. Is that what you're saying? If I do the cat video, that they'll come? I Look, I think you're getting hung up on the cat video thing. <laughs> All right, I got one last puzzle piece. Um, I, right. I, I could have easily went with Eyes Wide Shut for the uh, private sex club stuff, but I'm going to go a little bit more basic and go 50 shades of gray for the puzzle piece here. <laughs> I uh, haven't seen this. Yeah. Well, I, I've only seen the first one. It's terrible. There and were more than one? There are three of them. Of it's like it's like a big trilogy. 51 shades? It's, a, it's an epic shades? trilogy. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically the... Um, you know the attitudes towards towards sex in media are are so just like out there right now you know and it kind of takes like like kinky stuff and it's it's funny because of the whole me too era and everything we're kind of living this world between kink shaming and embracing kinks and you know like there's the whole scene where jim cummings is like filling out his card of what he wants his encounter to include and that's played for laughs but at the same time this guy you know clearly wants what he wants and and so i think there's a lot of uh of that current attitude towards sex that is like a really kind of a lot of it i think for some people kind of came from those books and those movies which is just ridiculous but uh that is what kind of put it in the pop culture and put it in the zeitgeist so what you're saying is you're drawing a line between um the 50 shades of gray like weird kink behind closed doors like tie tie you up blindfold shit yeah and that situation that specific plot line that yeah. the main character finds and, and for in. putting that in a movie as the uh, central you know jumping off point for the movie okay all right yeah. i can see that yeah, yeah. that's that's good I, i'm not i'm only familiar with that that IP, honestly, like through its like popular representations, I'm, exactly I consumed any of it. I haven't watched any of it or read any of it. I know that they're very, very popular books, and I promise were, like, you don't need to watch the movies. But they were like, um, the cool thing about those books is that like that's like the most successful fan fiction ever, right? Isn't that what the idea? It was is? a Twilight like, fan fiction, I believe. Is that right? right? Yeah, that's, that's what I've heard too. That's insane. which great. I think that's cool. If, yeah, you know, fan fiction makes it. I'm sure that I probably wouldn't. It's probably not my cup of tea, but yeah. like, like I, it's great. That's cool. Dave, I just want to go back and uh-huh. like revisit Coffee Town really quick because I like scrolled down uh-huh. on the IMDb page. Listen to this cast along with Glenn Howerton, who we both love. Yeah. And Jake Johnson, who I think we both love. I love yeah, Jake he's, Johnson. He's good. He's, he's like incredible. Him. Ben Schwartz, mm-hmm. Matt Walsh, uh, Josh Groban. Is in this movie. Everybody in this movie is hilarious. Steve Little. Is there yes. anybody better than Steve Little? Steve Little. Um, do you know who Brian Husky is? I've heard that name before. I, if you Google him, you'll know him. He's in everything funny. He's like uh-huh. he's just like the 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 like um, middling like nebbishy you know bald middle aged guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Waters plays his roommate in a very small small part. 
Kristen Quick, who is like that really crazy redhead with the big eyes and is like always like if you if you if you look her up, you know who she is immediately. She's she's hilarious. Oh yeah, Brian Husky. Saying. I know exactly that. Yeah, he was on Children's Hospital. He was, yeah, he was on Children's Hospital. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure what I could bring up that would yeah. make you like remember or think of him, you know, but uh yeah, so anyway, that that's what a what a fucking cast. What a I gotta watch cast. that. I definitely have um, to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you should check it out. It's a good, it's a, it's a good one to to kind of catch up on. All right. So our finished puzzle for the beta test, we got employee of the month, Punch Drunk Love, Barton Fink, the player, The Dark Knight Rises, Under the Silver Lake, Falling Down, American Psycho, Coffee Town, and Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, really interesting, wide-ranging list. I mean... What do, you, what do you think Jim Cummings would say about this list? I'm really curious, too. I mean, you know, there, there's a couple of obvious ones on here, I think. Um, but I, I think he'd be particularly interested in some of the, uh, you know, like talking about his crazy eyes and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, that. That would be an interesting thing to hear what his thought would be on. But yeah, I think talking about Jim Cummings is kind of the central point of this episode really it feels like it feels like we've talked about him so much throughout all these puzzle pieces yeah he is the center of this movie and of all of his movies yeah i mean that's what that's what happens when you have like it's it's the auteur thing right i mean like right everything is seen through this guy's eyes in these movies and that's great because he has an incredible perspective he he sees things you know i'm what i'm worried about with jim cummings dave is when he reaches a level of success where he's not starring in the movies anymore mm-hmm and I heard him on that same interview that we talked about at the top of the show. I heard him talking about his next project and that he is casting it and he's not casting himself. Right. And I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure it's going to be good. And, um, but from the first time I played that first scene of Thunder Road, and if you're listening to this show and you haven't checked out Jim Cummings' still very early, you know, back catalog, because he's a young guy, he's a pretty young dude, I think. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, films go, he's, he's only got those two other big projects i don't think there are any other right just the three and then he was just in halloween kills which was terrible but he was fun he was in the last scene of dave he was in the last episode of dave he was in the season oh that's right i haven't watched it yet i gotta watch yeah he he was but he had like five lines i don't know but um and he wasn't a jim cummings character he was just an actor Hmm. uh playing playing a role but that very first scene of thunder road the the monologue that he gives at his mother's funeral is something so special like yeah. it's so good and oh, yeah. immediately you know you're like this is a guy that's that's working with some really special shit and like i i, I don't know who to compare him to like he's like a very as an actor i'm not going to say this as a director but as an actor or as a person either i don't want to say this as a person either but as an actor he's got this like woody uh, woody allen energy of like kind of being so comfortable in this uncomfortable skin like mm. he's in the he's he's so pent up with like uh pathology his characters are so like they 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 have like all of this self-doubt and weird narcissism that's been bent inwards on itself in this like twisted imposter syndrome version of like uh, like these people who are just falling apart at the seams and just hot messes that but but like they're so sad but they're so compelling and interesting and yeah you're watching them in the same way that you watch a car accident that's about to happen sure and and um i i know that he's you know his aspirations if you ask him what he is he's a director he's going to say he's a director he's a writer and a director so he's not going to he's going to achieve some level of success where he's probably not in as many movies in the future being that character he might get cast 
to be because he's a you know young good looking guy i'll probably get cast and stuff but like i don't know how much longer he's going to play those characters and, and i think it's important for him to not do that because he's going to get you know typecast in that typecast himself in that and and then that's when i think the backlash starts is when he's right. just doing that over and over again and so far it's really three for three i mean i've really liked all three of these movies uh, I, I would definitely say Thunder Road is the best of the three, um, but he is still a guy falling apart in all three movies, and I want to see him do something completely different, hopefully. You know who I'd love to see him play? Huh? A young Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't he be perfect as a young Joe He'd Biden? He'd be pretty damn good. Just like pissed off, confused, <laughs> like the world is like zipping by him and he's not really sure what's happening. And he's just Is that like, how young Joe Ooh. Biden was? Was he was Young he... Joe Biden was well, young Joe Biden was was um yeah, he was like one of these like plain spoken like it, it's funny because it's like Joe Biden always tried to he was like a politician from age 15. Now I'm picturing so, Joe Biden in his underwear just like breaking down in front of a police station. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see him play young Joe Biden in Delaware trying to like 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 trying to sell a used car because that's what that's what Joe Biden was doing before he got into politics. He was a used car salesman. And like and just not being able to sell the car, kind of like a Lester Nygaard yeah. uh moment where it's like, well, you know, the the car already comes with the UV protection. It's like <laughs> and like and and that just to say, fuck this, I'm running for Congress. amazing amazing all right q is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners beta test is it no you know what i'm going to recommend to our listeners is what i was trying to recommend to you recently Hmm. it's a 20-hour investment but you won't be sad that you did it uh and that is on apple tv right now i think that it's funny because if you if you watch the beta test you probably watched it on apple tv because i think that's kind of like the only place you can watch it right now yeah uh, I, think I think it's spreading it's out to the other VODs soon, or it might have just this past weekend, but yes. Okay, so if you've already got Apple TV booted up from watching the beta test, then you know what? Go on there and watch um, For All Mankind, which is uh, a cross between, I would say, like, it's, it's, it's Mad Men in space. Mm. Mad Men in space. It's about the, the culture of NASA in the, in, the, in the 70s and 80s, the way that it had to change to meet the time. It's, it's about the... The space race, the chief conceit, it's fictional. It's it's based on real characters, but it is fictional because the conceit is that it, the um, United, United States lost the race to the moon, to mm. the Russians, yeah. uh, to the USSR. And that's the premise. That happens in the first episode right away, right up top. And what happens over the next 20 hours of, of content is that of, 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 of show is that... Um, you see what that does to us as a nation, what that does to NASA as a space program and the way that it drives us in good ways and in bad ways. Um, the way that it uh, furthers this ideological battle between, you know, Marxist Leninism and capitalism and uh, the way that that comes to a head in a lot of different ways. It's an incredibly made show. And when I say that it's Mad Men in space, I mean like, like it's as good as Mad Men as a TV show. If you like Mad Men, you'll like this. Um, it, it has like a, a lot of different angles to it and, and elements. There's, um, you know, the, the sort of melding together of this sort of test pilot, you know, bro culture that was very, um, you know, hyper present at the beginning of NASA, because that's what you needed. Crazy ass 
white boys to get up there and right. and fly planes and not worry about maybe dying. Yeah. And then the 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 culture of sort of the nerd, the the engineer, the statistician, the, the mathematician, and the the various scientific minds who have to say, okay, well, sure, you'll get the rocket there, but how do you get out? How do you walk around? How do you not die up yeah. there? And, and like and. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into it, man, but check out For All Mankind. I've been trying to get people to watch the show. I think the third season comes out early 2022. You got 20 hours of t- two seasons of 10 episodes that you can watch right now. And uh, you'll be really fucking glad if you watch this show. It's it's one of the best, most visually arresting things I've seen. Looks better than Dune. Looks better than any Christopher Nolan shit that you've seen. Looks so good. And and the acting performances are something else. It, 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 yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's my reco. I'm going to try to get Gina to watch it because then that means I'll end up watching it. So, yeah. <laughs> Q, do you want to uh, plug anything? Yeah, I mean, Bird Road is back. We were like three episodes back in. I think two or three episodes back in. You can check out Bird Road Podcast. We've been doing and, some um, good ones, I think. I think it's been, think? Uh, it's been real good. Is that good. what you think? I, I think it's great. That's something you think, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the beta test. Thank you to Q for joining me on that one. And what can I say? We love that Jim Cummings. Can't wait to see what he does next. And uh, it was a fun one to talk about. If you are enjoying what we're doing here on Piecing It Together, make sure you're subscribed. We've got a lot of episodes coming your way. We've got one coming up uh, next week on Finch, also the House of Gucci. Actually, I haven't recorded that one at the time of this going up, but I'm planning on recording this weekend House of Gucci, Licorice Pizza, and Ghostbusters Afterlife as well as uh, the trailers episode for December. So lots of podcasts coming your way. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really like what we do, share the show with your friends. Share the show on your Twitters and on your Facebooks and uh, wherever else you can share the show. It really, really helps to get us out in front of new people and get new listeners. We've had so many new listeners lately, and uh, I just want to see that number keep going up because it's awesome. They, I love doing this show no matter what, but if people are listening, that makes it even better. So thank you for that. Uh, you could also follow us, of course, on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And, of course, we have our Produced by David Rosen Patreon, which you should check out. And, uh, you know, you could always subscribe over there, too. Uh, you don't have to, but uh, if you want to, I'd appreciate it. And uh, as soon as I get back from my honeymoon, I'm going to start posting some of that promised music stuff that I keep saying I'm going to do. I'm really going to do it. Uh, lots of music stuff hitting that Patreon. Um, and there's some of those advanced episodes will be up there uh any day now as well so check it out produced by david rosen patreon patreon.com slash by david rosen 
Lastly, make sure you subscribe to Bird Road because me and Q are back at it and we have been doing some really fun episodes and you should definitely be listening to Bird Road. If you like what I do over here on Piecing It Together, check out my other podcast, Bird Road. Uh, So let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. And this seems about as good a time as any for me to preview a track from my next album. How about that? Uh, This does not have a name yet, although I was thinking about calling it The Mask. So that kind of makes it a good fit for the beta test, doesn't it? With uh, some of those sexy scenes with the sexy sex party masks. But uh, anyway, I don't know why I was going to call this The Mask. It was just the first name that came to mind when I was uh, sitting there listening to this music as I started making it. But the track's not done yet, so I'm letting you hear an unfinished piece of music. Uh, I still have more that I plan on doing to it, but uh, I hope you enjoy it in its current state and look forward to whatever my next album ends up being, whenever that ends up being. Of course, I will let you know when it ends up being finished and I start planning the release. I do have some idea in mind of when that will be and what it'll be called and all that stuff, but I'm not going to let you know about that quite yet. But it is coming, and this track will be on it when it does come. So yeah, this is some unreleased music. Enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.